0: May your spirit, we, wel- we know your spirit here. We just welcome your spirit here to come speak to our hearts and our minds, to each individual in this room. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I hope you all had a fabulous or at least restful Thanksgiving. And believe it or not, it is Christmas time. Wow. It is the first Sunday of Advent. And so I, I'm just curious, just by show of hands, how many of you guys in here, you are pumped and ready to go for Christmas this year? All right. <laughs> how many of you, you already have your tree up and decorated? That is impressive. Very impressive. How many of you, on the other hand, you're like, man, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around what day it is right now. I, like, I am nowhere prepped or ready to go for Christmas. Any of you? Man, I, it, if, if I'm honest, I feel a bit, of, a bit of both. Is that possible? I don't know. A bit of both. Because the, the staff and I here, we've been thinking about Christmas for months now. We've been, we've been planning for it, and I am pumped. Especially because last year, so much of Christmas was canceled here. Uh, so much of what our gatherings and our celebrations were, were, had to go all online. They weren't canceled. They just moved online. But basically canceled. So um, I'm pumped that we get to sing together, that we get to serve together, that we get to celebrate Jesus together this Christmas season. Aren't you? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. But at the same time, as a pastor, like, I, I also feel a bit of heaviness this season. Because I, I also, I, I've talked to a fair amount of you here, many of you leaders in education, church, business, public health, government, right, across different sectors. And I've talked to so many people who are like, man, I am just tired right now. I'm exhausted. I've met with some people, it's like just tears in their eyes. Like, man, I just, I just don't want to burn out. Because of all that they've gone through over this last year. And regularly, I think about, too, the number of you in this church who are grieving this Thanksgiving and Christmas. Because you've lost a loved one in the yet last year or two. And every time the holidays roll around, you know, for for a lot of us it's festive and bright. But if you're grieving, it is heavy. Because all you can do is look at that empty chair at your table and wish that person was there. It is estimated, I read this week, that seven million Americans are coming into Thanksgiving and Christmas this year without a loved one for the first time. And so when I think about that, I'm like, whoa, we gotta be, think about how we enter this season. And as I, as I got into Christmas uh, season this year, I'm just starting to reflect on my whole expectations, I have just started to realize that a few months ago, my hope or expectation when we got here was that this year would feel a whole lot lighter than last year. That, that we would have arrived at a better place as a society. Only to find, up, oh, we're still... Life is full of uncertainties as this pandemic continues. You know, I kind of compare it to taking my family hiking. I, I took my, decided to take my kids hiking this last September, and I looked on a map and I was like, I calculated it out to be about three miles, which I thought our eight, six, and four-year-old could handle. <laughs> it would be fun, they said. Um, well, come to find out as I'm getting into this, that this trail was turning out to be more like six miles. <laughs> and it was around two and a half miles that my kids started to figure out that we were nowhere near done. And I mean, their poor, like, poor little legs got to walk twice as much as mine do. And then rang through the forest, the sound of a chorus, not of peace and goodwill to men. But of my kids yelling, this will never end. Right? <laughs> And as I think back to that, I'm like, that's very much how I feel right now. <laughs> you know, like looking at, as we get into yet another holiday season and realizing the uncertainty that's around us, I'm like, oh, when will this ever end? When will we finally get to the place where we can have a, quote unquote, normal Thanksgiving and Christmas? But then I realize, for those who are in the midst of grief, normal is only a painful word. Because nothing will feel normal again. And for many of those who feel that ache, that, that person missing this year, it only, it only feels like, man, can I get through? And for others who are exhausted, man, how, how can I just get through without burning out in the midst of a busy holiday season? And so the question I want to come in here with, Today is, is it possible to discover fresh hope this Christmas season, even when so much of reality around us still falls very short of our expectations? Is it possible? And actually, this is the beauty of Advent season. Because oftentimes we think that oh, it's Christmas time, everything's supposed to be merry and bright. But that's more what Christmas marketers teach us than the Bible. Because when we go into the Bible, we see that actually Advent stands for a time of, like Matt said earlier, waiting. But with active expectation that God has come and he will come again. That actually Advent is a time where we don't ignore the longings and the aches, but we acknowledge them and bring them to the Lord in exchange for his fresh hope, peace, love, joy, all found in the person of Jesus. And I want to show you what I mean by this. By, we're going to turn back to the old familiar Christmas story. But I want us to, instead of just looking at the story again, like we always do, I want us to read a song that Mary sings, Jesus' mother Mary, in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And if you want to grab one of these blue Bibles in front of you, we're on page 831 in Luke chapter 1. We're starting at verse 46. But before we dive in, I want to give us a little context here. The song we're about to read is Mary sings it after she finds out she's pregnant. In other words, Jesus hasn't even been born yet. She is a poor peasant in a land that doesn't have college or chance for upward mobility. She's a girl in a male-dominated society. She's a Jewish girl in a land that is under Roman occupation. And now an angel shows up at her house to tell her that she's pregnant by the power of God even though she's a virgin. And some people looking at her situation know exactly what that meat could mean for her family and community. Because as a Jewish woman, if they find out that you're pregnant, that could result in your own stoning or death. So some people looking at her situation, a poor now pregnant Jewish girl at this time in history, they would look at her, they would not be expecting a song. <laughs> they would be expecting her to say, God, my life was hard already, and now you just made it worse. But instead, she sings. She sings. And she sings a song of hope. But where does she find hope like that? And where can we find it too? Let's read her song together. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, or we could say, and Mary sang, My soul... His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud and in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Just as he promised. Everybody say Promised our ancestors. So will you pray after me? Say, God, open my heart, open my mind, transform my life. You see me. Say it again. You see me. Will you meet me with fresh hope? In Jesus' name, amen. So this song that we just read is famously called Mary's Magnificat. Everybody say Magnificat. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Some of you are going to be whispering it under your breath anyway. So I just figured I'd give you an opportunity. That means, Magnificat is Latin for magnifies. See, we all know in the Christmas story, most of us know the story about Mary. And what happens and the angel and all of that. But this song gives us a window into her heart and mind as she's going through it all. And it allows us to see the well of hope that she found. So that we can drink from it too. Remember, she sings this song before any of her circumstances have actually changed for good. Where does she find hope? See, as we humbly learn to take God at his word, we find hope even when life looks hopeless. Let's fill out the context of her life a little bit more. You see, by the time we get to Mary's story in the Bible... There have been generations and generations of her people, the Israelites, who have been born and died, all waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled and the Messiah to come. Right? 2,000 years before Mary, Abraham, the father of the Jews, God promised an offspring full of kings to come, and one in particular that would never end. To David, 900 years before Mary, David was the king of the Jews, often called. God promised an everlasting throne to come from his line. But for Mary, she just experienced generations before her. Mary, her parents, her grandparents, her great-grandparents, they only knew foreign occupation. But God also promised to Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Micah, and others, a divine ruler, a Messiah, who would come to save their people. But from her vantage point, revolutionaries came, revolutionaries went, and they were all but a simple speed bump on the course of human history. Where was God? But then in Nazareth... The angel Gabriel shows up to Mary to announce that God is about to bring about a fundamental shift in human history, and it's through her. He says, she will conceive and give birth to a son whom she will name Jesus, which means salvation or deliverance. And then he says, he will be given a throne and a kingdom, see that promise being fulfilled, that will never end. And how does Mary respond? Well, she takes his word for it. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And her cousin Elizabeth shortly after sees that belief in her too and proclaims, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. But my question is, again, she is a poor, peasant, Jewish girl in a time of Roman occupation, why would she believe that God was actually going to do all of these things through her? Why would she believe that a fundamental shift in human history would come about through her? Because we see that when the circumstances threatened to overwhelm her, Mary chose to magnify the glory of her God. Some might look at her situation and say, well, of course, she believed because an angel showed up to her house, right? Well, like, wouldn't you? But in the same chapter as this story, Luke 1, we read another story of an angel who showed up to a priest named Zechariah in the temple to tell him that his wife, who's been barren for all these years, was about to give birth to John the Baptist. And was like, no, I don't believe it. Why? <laughs> even though the angel's right in front of him. Why? Because in his mind, in that moment, his circumstances were bigger than his God. Well, some people say, well, maybe Mary believed because, I don't know, she was just an optimistic kind of person. She just had a, like a, a, a bright side of life personality, but that's not me. But see, optimism and hope aren't the same things. Optimism looks for the best in our circumstances But hope looks to who God is even in the darkest of circumstances. See, optimism tries to look at the bright side and ignore the bad side. Hope can look at the reality of how dark something really is. They can even name it. But it still sets its gaze on the God who never changes and whose word never fails. So truly, hope is the direct result of a humble faith in who God says he is. You guys with me in here? You tracking? Okay. And that is why before anything has actually changed in her life, Mary is able to sing a song that celebrates who her God is. And what is it in particular about God that that gives her such hope? I want to see two different truths about who God is that gives her hope in this moment that she celebrates in her song. First, she recognizes that our God sees her and he sees you and that he moves toward her and you with mercy, not judgment. Mary says from the beginning of her song that God is mindful of her humble state, which means that God sees her even in her humiliation, her pain, her ache, her longing, her fear. And she knows God sees her. And she recognized that the whole reason why God created humanity in the first place is that he might have a relationship with us, which the Bible calls a covenant. A relationship so that we would not just know him, but become like him. And despite all the repeated ways that human beings have opposed God with our pride, our greed, and our sin, God continues to move toward those who believe and trust in him. And that Christmas is all about God's initiation to leave heaven's glory and be born into our world so that we might not only see who our God is in the person of Jesus, but that in coming, Jesus might abolish the barrier between us and God, the barrier created by sin, with the sacrifice of his life. Christmas is about the God over history who broke into history to call us his own, which is why Colossians says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. And it is only by faith that we come to know him and live with him. But the thing that I think I I want you to hear today, do you know that God sees you? He sees you in your grief. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your fear. He sees the longings and the aches and the desires of your heart. And he moves towards you with mercy and grace, not judgment. He's not looking for a perfect person or the most influential person. He's just looking for someone like Mary who just will take him at his word. Mary was human like all of us. Thing is, she just took God at his word. And because of that, that gave her hope even before her circumstances had changed. So, my question to you if you realize he has come near you and he's inviting you into a relationship with him, will you receive him and find hope too? And so we see this is the fact that God saw her and he moves toward her with mercy, gave her hope in the present. But there's another aspect of who her God is that gave her hope, an eternal hope, into the future. And she realized and sang in her song that we serve a mighty God who promised to establish his justice and peace on the earth. I think Mary was very aware of her insufficiencies. She knew how small she was. In the grand scheme of human history, she also knew how dark it was in her time. But the shift for her is that though she was small and though things seemed dark at the present, she knew none of those things like, could stand up to the mighty warrior God she knows who goes to battle against the evil in this world. And even though it appears at times that evil is winning in the present, she discovers hope by looking back at who her God has been in the past. Like you've noticed in her song, like half of it is all past tense. She says, "He has scattered the proud, brought down the rulers, sent the rich away hungry." So she remembered in the past who God has been in order to give her hope for the future. And with this, Mary's not condemning leaders. She's not condemning people who have money. But she is drawing language from the Old Testament prophets who spoke against those who, were, who wickedly used their power and money to neglect and oppress the needy and the poor around them. She knows the world is jacked up because the plague of human pride is leading the world to perish and she feels the ache of that. But now... Now, God has promised. His Savior is coming. His salvation has dawned. And she knows that in this moment, He would bring peace turning the moral, political, social, religious systems of the world upside down, that everything that was broken by sin would one day be restored because God has promised to her a king whose kingdom would not be of this world, but her son would be the very personification of humble love, for he would not consider his power or his position something to be used for his own selfish advantage, but instead he would submit himself to a Roman cross to die for the sin of the world world to rise again from that grave and he did and now he sits at the right hand of God as the king of kings and the lord of lords forever and now for all those who take him at his word our king has promised that we might be called his and he gives us his spirit the spirit of Christ To dwell within us. Mary had Jesus physically within her. Well we have the very spirit of Christ within us. That he might rule in our hearts and in our minds. So that we might then become ambassadors of heaven's king on this earth. Until the day that he returns. And while we still await that day. Because unlike Mary, we look back and remember that Jesus did come and God did fulfill that promise. But with Mary, we're still looking forward to the day when God will make all things right. But like Elizabeth told Mary, blessed are those who believe the Lord will fulfill his what? Promises. So Christmas is a reminder that God's word hasn't, nor will it ever fail and it is by faith that we have hope and if the spirit of Christ is within you that means that you have a song of hope too you know you just heard the story that Juliet came up and shared with all of us really you could call what she just shared her song of hope talking about how God has taken her from searching and searching for control. And all of a sudden, she's encountered the love of God and her faith, man, it is vibrant and radiant. And that's a beautiful real-life picture. But I want to tell you another story too, a story that uh, our own Larry Welch shared with me uh, this past week. And he told me I could share with you guys, right, Larry? Can you acknowledge this? Uh, I gave permission, okay. You know, as Larry often does, Um, He and a friend uh, went out a couple weeks ago and went to a public place and just prayed and said, Holy Spirit, will you show us if there's anyone here who needs prayer? And they met a couple guys uh, who were a part of the Coast Guard. Um, And one of the guys, we'll call him Tom. um, I don't know if I like that or not, but we'll call him Tom. they started talking to him, and Tom shared that while he, he was a Christian, he hadn't been walking with Christ in a while. And so after talking to Tom for a while, um, he, Tom decided he wanted to recommit his life to Christ there. It's amazing. And then Larry wanted to follow up with him a week later. So he asked him if he wanted to grab dinner at a local restaurant. And after talking for a while at the restaurant about Jesus and faith and a number of other things, Tom says, you know, I have a song that, that I wrote to God. Larry, He's like, can I sing it or should I read it? And Larry, being the guy that he is, he's like, I want you to sing it. So Tom started off softly singing this song, and it was a song of God's love. And he started off quietly and as he began to sing it, all of a sudden his voice started getting louder and louder and so loud that that those who were eating around them stopped eating and just started listening. And it became so loud that their waitress from the kitchen heard him singing this song of God's love. And she came out to their table with big tears in her eyes and shared with them that just a few months before, her son had died in a tragic drunk driving accident. And she was without hope. And and that song spoke right to her heart. (laughs) And that opened up an opportunity for them in that place to pray with her and to share God's love with her. And i got to share that story. And I want you to hear Juliet's story. In first service, we had Mike Boucher and Darcy share their story. Because these are beautiful, real-life pictures of how our God wants to move through his people. How he took one man who just took God at his word and who, who shared Christ. And that sparked faith in Tom. And then Tom... From him came a song of hope and love that all of a sudden multiplied across that restaurant and met a mother in the moment she most desperately needed to hear it. Is it God good? He's so good. And so I come into this Christmas and have all my expectations for what I think this time should be. But I realize, you know what? Jesus never promised us that life was going to be easy. He actually promised us that there would be pain, there would be loss, there would be grief, war, injustice, and suffering. But he also promised those things would not be forever. And he also promised that all those who take him in his, at his word, those who place faith in him, they will never be alone. But they would have an everlasting relationship with him. And when he promised that he will come to make all things new and all things right, we can look back in history to see that that's the same God who made that promise is the God who came out of the grave, broke through a grave, and conquered death. And if he did that, he says, promise, he says this is just the beginning of what I am doing across this world. And when God says something, it's as good as done. Done. And when we take God at his word, our faith becomes hope. Our hope becomes a song. And a song becomes an invitation to others to believe too. And as we sing that song, it not only multiplies others' faith, but it does ours as well, doesn't it? So this Christmas, as we remember that our God came and his salvation dawned, We sing our song of hope again. Therefore, we are not only recipients of hope this Christmas. We are also ambassadors, representatives, agents, if you will, of hope on earth. In Christ, heaven has come down and now his spirit lives in us. And so my challenge to us as a church this Christmas season, going into it, is talk to God, talk to your family, talk to your small group about what are the opportunities God has already placed around you where you can can bring the hope of Christ into a particular situation. Remember, hope doesn't mean you're always looking on the bright side. Sometimes hope begins by just recognizing and sitting with someone in their pain, especially those who are grieving. When you go up to them and you're like, oh, well, here's the sunny side. You're like, they don't, like, oftentimes that doesn't help. What they're looking for is just someone to sit beside them just to show them that God sees them. And he's with them. And then his promises are true. Sometimes just coming and visiting somebody who lives alone speaks hope. You know, last week, our children's director, Leanne Ray, shared the story up here of how Derek Fullerton led a whole crew of musically challenged carolers out out to a home of a family whose father was terminally ill with cancer. And how that same wife, after her husband had passed away a couple months later, then called Derek and said, The fact that your group came gave us hope for the first time in a long time. As we approach Advent Serve Day here in a couple weeks, how can we view Advent Serve Day not as just a day to do some things so we feel good about ourselves this Christmas season, but how can we view that day as an opportunity to spread the hope of Christ to this world? And one of the things our team has, have done so well, Heather, Hannah, all of them, that, that they've tr- decided to, every opportunity you'll see involves some sort of connection with another human being, and that's on purpose. Because we want this to be a time and an opportunity that we actually connect with others and share the hope of Christ with them. When you're writing letters of encouragement, when you're meeting with families of kids with special needs, when you're playing games with kids, when you're delivering gift baskets to our neighbors around this area, all of that is a way that we sing our song of hope. And like Mary, how can we magnify the hope we have in Christ this Christmas season. And when we do, it grows our hope too. So this Christmas, as we remember that our God has come, his salvation has dawned, we sing our song of hope again. Let's stand. We're about to sing together. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, thank you for not leaving us alone. There's no way, as Juliet said earlier, God, that any of us could climb a ladder to reach you. And you knew that, which is why in love you came down to us. That you left the glory, the privilege of heaven, that you might be born into our world to save us, to reach us, to form a covenant, a relationship with us, and then to call us to be your ambassadors, heaven's ambassadors on earth by your Spirit. What an amazing reality. And I pray that as we learn to take your word for it, that we will feel hope rise up in us and overflow out of us to the hopeless around us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen.